Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. I'm Andrew Bellers, I'm gonna be your host for today. On this show we're going to be giving sort of an update on the Great Reset. It hasn't gone away, it is very much in full force and, and these kinds of issues are important for us as Christians to be aware of, to talk about, because you know, I'm reminded of when Jesus admonished the Pharisees and he said, you can tell what the weather is going to be by looking at, at the sky, at, at the signs of the sky, but you can't tell what the signs of the times are. And that's why I believe programs like this are important. We talk about the signs of the coming times, and I do believe that uh, we are getting very, very close to the end, and that's why it's important for us to cover things like uh, the Great Reset. Now, if you don't know this, if you haven't heard about the Great Reset, uh, I just want to give you a little review, and I want to set up what we're really talking about here. You see, there is a plan to diminish the global strength of America, and the reason for this plan, the reason that they want to diminish the strength of America is because a strong America is the only thing that stands in the way of a new global order, a world system of governance. That's what they want. This plan has many moving parts, many collaborators, and many programs with many different names, names that you've heard. Names like Agenda 21, or Agenda 2030, or like we're going to be talking about today, The Great Reset, Build Back Better. Uh, the list goes on and on. Now, the people who are in charge of this, some of, the, some of the largest global leaders in the world, they will use or even manufacture uh, whatever crisis they need to preoccupy us and paralyze us so that they can push their policies through unnoticed. The heart and the soul of this movement for the believer, and this is why we're talking about this, the heart and soul of this movement is the Antichrist spirit and the world that they are building, this, this utopian world, this new world order. It is the new world order of the Antichrist. It is the beast system. And I want to put a disclaimer out here before we talk about all of this, that although times are getting dark, we as believers should not be discouraged. We should not lose our hope because we have a living hope in, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a living hope in Him. That is what, that's what His Word says. And we should take hope in, in, in the midst of all of this. We should rejoice in all of these trials, as Scripture says, because all of this is a testament. It is a proof that God's holy word is true, that the prophecies of his word are on the horizon and they're coming true even today. It means that, that we need to be looking up to heaven because our King Jesus is coming soon. And he's going to put, as God's holy word says, he's going to put an eternal end to sin and he's going to take his throne and rule over the earth. That is, that is the grand uh, scheme. That is, that is the lens through which we should be seeing all of these events. Um, but right now, let's get into really the nitty-gritty of what's going on. 
like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna be giving an update on the Great Reset. Um, by way of review, the Great Reset is as ominous as it sounds. It's a plan to reset the world uh, by first resetting capitalism. Now, that means socialism across the globe, but really that is just the beginning. The Great Reset is a is a worldwide takeover organized, like I said, by some of the most powerful people in the world. And the goal is to control every aspect of our lives. In this new world that they are creating, you and I will have no rights. We will have no privacy, no property, no ownership. And it will be presented through the rose-colored glasses of creating a utopia here on Earth which we know is impossible. We are fallen creatures. We are imperfect creatures. It is impossible for us, through imperfect systems like government, to create uh, a perfect world. Only Jesus can do that. And that's why it's so important. I'll say this up top. That's why it's so important if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Eternity is on the line. And today's the day to get to know him. Today's the day to lay your life down and accept him as your Lord and Savior. So the Great Reset, just getting back on track here. One of the main ways that they're pushing this right now is through something called ESG. Now this was a term that was created by the UN in 2006. And it stands for Environmental Social Justice Governance Scores. What this is, and we've talked about this, but this is just by way of review. I got to get through all of this. What this is, it's essentially a social credit score that the, the elite, those who are in power, are going to use to dictate every aspect of our, not just our financial lives, but our personal lives. It's like a, a credit score um, where... You know, with a credit score, people can review your financial history and see if you are um, a responsible person with your money. But instead of just looking at your financial history, they'll be looking at the people that you associate with, your political affi affiliations, your religious affiliations, and they're going to dictate every part of your life. Let's get into our first article today. We're going to be talking about some of the updates with ESG. The S&P cuts world's largest EV maker from ESG index. Musk slams, quote, outrageous scam. Margaret Dorn, senior director and head of ESG indices for S&P Dow Jones in North America said in a Tuesday blog post, while Tesla may be playing its part in taking fuel-powered cars off the road, it has fallen behind its peers when examined through a wider ESG lens. First of all, let me just lay the groundwork of, of the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 has been around forever, and it is basically the standard for determining, for measuring how well stocks are doing. So the S&P 500 has been around forever, but there is something new called the S&P 500 ESG index, where it's not just measuring how well stocks are doing financially, but it's measuring, it's measuring how well uh, companies, how well businesses are doing with their environmental social justice governance scores and and uh, investors are using this to determine 
what businesses they're going to invest in based on essentially their political affiliations. Now, the senior, like I read, Mark Adorn, the senior director and head of ESG uh, indices for S&P Dow Jones, <clears throat> she said that Tesla, which is, Tesla is probably doing more than any company in the world for, uh, for you know, the, the bogus carbon emissions, doing more than any company in the world. And she's saying, Tesla, while it's playing its part in taking fuel-powered cars off the road, it has fallen behind its peers when examined through a wider ESG lens. I, I just want to go on. This is ridiculous, but let me go on and, and explain why it's ridiculous. Here are the top holdings remaining in the index, including ExxonMobil, which of course is a, is a gas and fossil fuels company, Apple, which as we know is using Chinese slave labor to produce its products, and Amazon, which is working against the unions, which is you know a leftist no-no, and Tesla is worse than all of them. Here's a few tweets from Elon Musk, what he thought about this situation. He said, Exxon is rated top 10 best in the world for environment, social, and governance by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't make the list. ESG is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. Here's another one. He said, ESG is an outrageous scam. Shame on SP Global. And the article goes on, outrageous scam indeed. We wonder... If Tesla would still be in the index if Musk wasn't trying to bring free speech to Twitter. As Musk, Musk added in a tweet shortly after, political attacks on me will escalate dramatically in the coming months. And good for him. And something else interesting that happened because of this probably, I mean this was probably the straw that broke the camel's back uh, that led to this last tweet from, from Elon Musk where he said, in the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, or at least they claim to be, but they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now, watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. So the big takeaway from this is the, the whole climate change narrative, which we... We have exposed this before on the show, but the whole climate change narrative is a farce. It's a lie. The reason that they removed Elon, Elon Musk's Tesla from the S&P 500 ESG index is because he is, is trying to make Twitter, again, a platform of free speech. I mean, the left thought that they completely owned tw Twitter and they had closed the door on that and he has come in and just completely obliterated that sense of security and they're upset with him for it. Now, I want to read another article from 2019, which I think is interesting and just further shows that, that the whole ESG thing, it has nothing to do with the climate change narrative. It has, it has nothing to do with that. It, it is completely a, a political system. Here's the article, S&P 500 ESG index drops Facebook. You can't get any more left than Facebook. They dropped Facebook over, quote, data privacy concerns. The S&G uh, 500 ESG index recently dropped Facebook Inc. amid ongoing concerns around the social media giant's privacy practice. 
The index, which brings environmental, social, and governance criteria to many companies within the broader S&P 500 index, removed Facebook when the group underwent its annual rebalance. It cited Facebook's lack of transparency around how it collects and shares user information as the primary reason for, bo for booting the firm. Here's the important part. Specific events mentioned were Facebook's involvement in 2018 with the now defunct data analytics from Cambridge Analytica LLC. Now, I'll agree that Facebook has privacy issues, but I think, I think it's interesting that specifically what they cited was the Cambridge Analytical, uh, Analytica scandal, which leftists went crazy about because they blamed it for ensuring the passage of two really big things, Brexit and the election of, of, of Donald Trump as president, which were both huge wins for the right, but, but massive steps back for globalism. Uh, so apparently, you know, even Facebook isn't far enough left for the, for the globalists. But um, that just goes to show you this whole thing is, is political. And you might think at this point, you know, who cares? You know, ESG is this club and who cares? Tesla's not a part of it. Facebook's not a part of it. You know, at this point, it just kind of feels like this elite leftist club. But you have to understand, the S&P 500 is the standard for measuring how stocks are doing. And they're saying, we are now going in a political direction. It doesn't just matter how well your business is, is doing financially. You have to toe the line of our radical leftist policies or else you're gonna be in trouble. I wanna play a clip from this week of, of Glenn Beck and he's explaining some of the most troubling updates, specifically with the S&P 500 ESG index, but with just the direction that all of this is going in general. Here's that clip. Vivek, the, you know, I've been preaching this ESG stuff uh, for a while now, uh, and yes, you have. Couldn't get, uh, couldn't get the um, uh, the states. You know, we had about twenty of them, but so many Republicans even are like, "That's a private business; they can do whatever they want." Well, S and P Global just came and said, "We're now rating the states with ESG scores, so you may you may lose uh, your status." for businesses, because we may not be able to recommend that people do business in your state. At a certain point, we should just call it the charade for what it is. We tell ourselves we live in a democratic society. Let's call it the charade for what it is and start bowing to our monarchs instead. This isn't even a battle between left and right, Glenn. This is a battle between living in a democratic republic and living in a monarchy where a certain group of corporatocrats, people who run a corporatocracy, a monarchy, decide what the right answer is to these moral questions for everybody else. Now, what I, what I think is just absolutely wild about that clip is that the S&P 500 is not just ranking individual companies on their ESG score, but they're ranking entire states. What is that gonna mean for the near future? about how companies can do business and where they can do business. Does that mean that they won't be able to do business in certain states that, for example, have strong laws against abortion or have, have strong pro-gun laws? 
or maybe strong law enforcement laws. I mean, we saw the huge defund the police movement, and yes, that movement uh, died with a fizzle, but that's just because that's just because politics isn't ready for it yet. But that is what's coming. What about what about states that have uh, strong public school laws against things like critical race theory, or like you saw in Florida, um, what the left affectionately uh, called the "Don't Say Gay" bill, where they said that you shouldn't be able to to teach kids about uh, things that are really it's it's sexual immorality that they're teaching kids starting as early as the age of five and florida said no you're not going to do that in our state is that going to mean for the future with with these esg with this esg movement kind of rolling along is that going to mean that certain businesses aren't going to want to do business in in florida because they're going to get hit with this um you know there's really no telling what this is going to look like in the short-term future. Um, and I'd like to play another clip where, where Glenn Beck kind of talks about how he thinks this could backfire um, on the financial elite. Let's see what he had to say about that. You know, that. it's amazing to me. I see these companies, these media companies that sell for, you know, a billion dollars and they got nothing. We're the largest streaming network for right of center in the world. It's like worth $10. It's like, you know, you're never going to be able to sell that. You're like, the, the, the market doesn't understand and they refuse to understand that, I don't know, half the country doesn't agree with them and still and wants products. And Glenn, it's, it's, let, me, let me just give you one shade further building on what you said. I agree with everything you said, but further, the 100 plus million people, the 150 plus million people you're talking about, when you adjust for spending power, when you adjust for investment power, when you adjust for being good credit risks, good good insurance risks, people who don't lie on their credit card applications, people who have actual savings to put into investment funds, people who are hard workers, people who are sticky customers, that actually becomes one of the largest economies in the world. Right. So I think basically what they're saying in that clip is that these financial elites are kind of shooting themselves in the foot here because... Um, they are excluding, uh, to quote them, one of the largest economies in the world. And when they say that, they're referring to people who are conservative, who are investing their, their savings um, into conservative businesses. And I, I believe that these financial elites, I think they understand that. I think that they understand that there is a risk a, a, an immediate a short-term risk with what they're doing here and I think they're okay with it I believe that they see it as a necessary investment to crafting the global system that they want to establish the long-term power that they achieve by seizing control of the global market is far more valuable to them than any short-term economic gain I mean, it really is like they're establishing a religion right now. And their devotion to this religion, their devotion to this global regime, it, it far, it supersedes, it far exceeds their devotion to, to short-term uh, financial gain. They are so devoted to their beliefs in, in this sort of antichrist religion. 
of establishing this global world order that they don't care in the short term if it's going to lose them money. They don't care what it's going to do to the market in the short term. After all, I truly believe that the goal of the radical left, the goal of, of globalism, the goal of the Antichrist spirit in the world right now is to, like, like the Great Reset says, to reset the current system, to destroy the current system so that from the ashes of, of the old world, world order, the old way of doing things, from the ashes of, of this system will rise the phoenix of the new world order. That's their goal. I really don't believe that they care. Because like I said, their, their allegiance to this new type of religion is far stronger than their allegiance to short-term financial gain. So I'm going to play one more clip. And in this clip, Glenn explains how companies like BlackRock and Goldman Sachs are buying up neighborhoods. And, and then I'm going to explain why that's important for us to talk about. Let's play that clip. Goldman Sachs back firm buys Florida community of single family homes for $45 million. BlackRock is doing this too. They're coming in, they're paying overpriced, they're buying whole neighborhoods. I don't want to tell companies that they can't do that. I wouldn't be opposed to that if it wasn't for ESG and the Great Reset, which says... You're not going to own anything by 2030, um, and everybody will be renters. And here we are. Now we tie it all into the Great Reset. The reason why it is important that these massive private companies are buying up residential properties to rent them out is because one of the greatest goals of the Great Reset, of Agenda 2030, like I said, they're all just part of the same thing. Uh, specifically, it's goal number 15 of, of the UN Agenda 2030 of their Sustainable Development Goals. And this is what it says. Goal 15. Protect, restore, and promote sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems, sustainably manage forests, combat desertification, and halt and reverse land degradation and halt biodiversity loss. Now that is just, like I said, that's the rose-colored glasses view of what they really want to do. What they want to do is to seize all of the land. Why? Because if they can seize all of the, the rural land, the more land that they can take, the more that they can push us into, into the city so that they can more easily control us. That's what they want to do. And like I said, they're using these, this rose-colored glasses view of doing it by saying, you know, they're going to save wildlife and blah, blah, blah. Fill in the blank here. Uh, climate change nonsense. But that's what they want to do. And one of the ways that they're doing this, and specifically in our country, in our government, we've covered this on a previous show, um, but this was released last year by the Department of Interior, Biden's Department of Interior, and it's called the America the Beautiful Initiative. And their goal is owning 30% of all of the land and waters in the United States by 2030. But that's just their 2030 goal. Their goal is to own 50% of all of the land and water in the United States by 2050. That's crazy. <laughs> that's a crazy goal. And we kind of speculated, 
how in the world are they even going to do this? Well, one of the ways that, that Zach said that he thought that they would do this is through private companies. And they'll use sort of the woke agenda. They'll say that, that um, they'll say that, you know, owning land makes you privileged and makes you part of the cultural hegemony. And the, the right woke thing to do would, to be, would be to give that land up so that it could be redistributed to, to the oppressed class. And I think that might be exactly what we're seeing right here when we see companies like BlackRock and Goldman Sachs buy up these residential neighborhoods to rent them out. Like we've said before, the, the stated purpose of um, the Great Reset is that by the year 2030, that's their goal, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. You won't have land. You won't have a house. You'll rent everything. And I think that's what they're setting up here. And the reason is because of this interesting article that talks about the ties between BlackRock and be, in between um, not just the Biden administration, but also the, the Obama administration. Let me read that article. The Ties That Bind, BlackRock and Biden. We believe the line between Wall Street and Washington, D.C. has always been a little blurry. But as the Biden administration has taken the helm of the White House, it's growing harder and harder to see where Wall Street begins and Washington, D.C. ends. Take BlackRock, for example. BlackRock is the biggest investment firm globally, offering its investment fund lineup to more than 35 million retirement plans, supporting over 100,000 financial advisors who construct investment portfolios for their clients and serving investors in more than 100 companies in the world. At the end of the first quarter of 2021, BlackRock had more than $9.0 trillion in assets under management. Now I believe it's $10 trillion. To put this into perspective, only two countries in the world have GDP figures lar larger than BlackRock's total AUM. Now this is where it gets interesting. This is where we start to see the ties. Brian Deese, a former BlackRock investment executive, serves on the National Economic Council at Awale Adeyemo, former chief of staff to BlackRock's chief executive, is the top official at the Treasury Department, formerly the global chief investment strategist at BlackRock. Michael Pyle is now the chief economic advisor to, to Vice President Harris. I should note Deese, Adeyemo, and Pyle all also worked with the Obama administration. And it continues. This pipeline flows in both directions. BlackRock has hired several policymakers and regulators who served past administrations. For example, Dahlia Blass was an official with the SEC and now leads external affairs at BlackRock. Thomas Donilon was a national security advisor to President Obama and is currently chairman of BlackRock's research business. So my question is then, how long? How long until uh, companies like BlackRock start giving these residential properties to the federal government? How long before this becomes uh, uh, government housing? 
and like I said, this has been the stated goal of, of Agenda 2030, but it goes way back. This has been decades in the making. This is the goal of the UN, and this is the goal of the New World Order. This is a headline from the New York Times in 1976, and it sounds like, it, let me just read this. It sounds like it was written last week. Headline, UN meets, a UN meeting urges curb on private land holding. Quote, land, because of its unique nature, and the crucial role it plays in human settlement cannot be treated as an ordinary asset, controlled by individuals and subject to the pressures and inefficiencies of the market. Private land ownership is also a principal instrument of accumulation and concentration of wealth and therefore contributes to social injustice. If unchecked, it may become a major obstacle in the planning and implementation of development schemes. Social justice, urban renewal, and development, the provision of decent dwellings and healthy conditions for people can only be achieved if land is used in the interest of society as a whole. That's wild. And that fits exactly into the narrative that we're talking about. This is, I, I'm just, I'm convinced that this is how it's going to happen. That, that these wealthy landowners, these social justice woke landowners are just going to be giving, buying up land and just handing it over to the government. And that's how the government is, is going to do this. They're going to work through the private sector. They don't have to pass laws. They don't have to, uh, for instance, they don't have to rewrite the Constitution or, or create an, an amendment to the Constitution. All they have to do is start manipulating the market through the, the private sector, through these businesses that have these really strong ties with them, and they can buy up all of this land and, and repurpose it as government housing. And then the low-hanging fruit of this plan will be people who are dependent on the government. It's going to be low-income people, and they're going to be able to manipulate the masses. They're going to be able to manipulate votes and manipulate politics by uh, taking control and, and taking advantage of the less fortunate. Why are we talking about this? Like I said, we're talking about this because Jesus admonished the Pharisees to be aware of the signs of the times. And I believe we're getting close. I believe what we're seeing is the building of the foundation of the new world order that is that is being established by the enemy and is one day, one day going to be ruled by the Antichrist. That's what we're looking at here. And that's why we need to be aware. That's why we as Christians need to be aware of current events. That's why we need to be um, uh, involved in, in politics and the political trends. But the biggest reason that we need to be aware of this stuff is because, like I said, it points to, it points to the Holy Word of God. It is a testament that the Holy Word of God is true. We can take these current events, we can take what's happening in the world, and we can go to the unsaved and we can use it as a proof. We can say, look, the word of God is true. And what you're seeing, I can explain what's happening in the world right now. You are in the midst of utter confusion and it feels like the world is caving in on you. 
But look, here's, here's a scripture that has existed for thousands of years that talks specifically and exactly about what is happening in these times. And, and it will be an amazing opportunity to witness to the world and to bring people into the kingdom of God. It's, it's just one tool. But I believe that, that God's word tells us to be aware of the signs of the times and to be aware of, of current events. I, I believe that's our responsibility. And I believe that's, that's why you watch programs like this. And I believe it's why you should watch programs like this. Um, above all, not to be fearful, but to be hopeful. Because everything that God gave us in his scripture is happening as he laid it out for us. And we can rejoice in the fact that, that these days are upon us. And because of that, we know that our Savior is drawing near. We know that, that the day of, of redemption, the day that, that we, are, we are married to Him, the day that He comes to claim His bride, it's almost here. It's getting closer. And so we shouldn't be fearful. We know that God will be with us. He'll give us strength and he'll give us grace to endure the times that are coming. We know that the trials and tribulations that are coming are going to refine and perfect our faith. So don't get weary, don't get tired, don't get fearful, get hopeful, get in the word of God. Know who you are according to his word. Know who he is according to his, his word. Like the faithful attending the wedding in that parable, Make sure that your lamps are full of oil. Make sure that you are full of the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you are in constant communication and communion with, with the Holy Spirit of God. And He is going to get us through these times. I believe it. And I hope that, that you'll take hope and you'll take courage uh, and encouragement from that word today. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next week.